Welcome in to episode 6 of the Pig Weekly Podcast, your weekly source for all things Arkansas Razorbacks. A quick note here before we get started, there will be no new episode coming out next week as I will be out of town and not available to record. Also, go check out the Hoop Southbound Podcast where I had the chance to appear as a guest to preview the Arkansas versus Oklahoma matchup coming up this Saturday in Tulsa where I was able to talk about the game and other college basketball news. So go give them a listen and listen to my take on the Arkansas-Oklahoma matchup. So we'll jump into some college football news where last week we left off talking about players that have entered the portal from Arkansas. So since the last episode, we've had more players enter the portal as to be expected whenever the portal officially opened on December 5th. So in the portal now, there are a total of around 14 Arkansas players. New to the portal since we the last episode is wide receiver Keytron Jackson, which I think is a big surprise for everybody just because looking at it next season, he probably would have had the chance to be our number one wide receiver, or even if not the number one guy, a very important key piece to next season's wide receiver and core. So with him entering the portal, meaning he will not participate in the bowl game most likely, leaving our wide receivers to be Matt Landers and probably freshmen that will have to step up, step up and play, such as Isaiah Sentega and Sam Mbake. So we'll just have to see what that looks like. Also, you had punter Patrick Foley, linebacker Jordan Hanna, defensive lineman Taylor Lewis, long snapper Francisco Castro, and running back Javon Hunt, who has also essentially not been with the team since back in September, right after fall practices finished up before the season started, and then also wide receiver Jacqueline Crawford, which we did not see much of this year, so it's kind of be expected to be expected that he was going to enter the portal. So then on the flip side of that, we're going to talk about some transfer players that Arkansas has offered and are trying to bring in. So you have cornerback Jaquan Shepard out of Cincinnati, who, as you know, we need help in the secondary, especially with the guys that have entered the portal and guys that possibly may not return. So we will definitely need to bring in as many talented guys as we can. You also have safety Kendarin Ray out of Tulsa. Defensive lineman Tunmise Adelie out of Texas A&M. Defensive back Kyrie Jackson out of Alabama. DB Gavin Holmes from Wake Forest, and wide receiver Andrew Armstrong out of Texas A&M Commerce. Again, these are players that Arkansas has just offered. None have officially signed yet, so that will be coming later on to see if they do decide to sign with Arkansas ultimately. We, however, have picked up a commitment from uh, former Florida offensive lineman Josh Braun, He committed to Arkansas after an official visit this previous weekend. Um, He had connections with Coach Pittman here as he was previously committed to Georgia before 
Coach Pittman left to take the job here at Arkansas. Then he flipped his commitment to Florida and went there. Um, we'll also have visiting this coming weekend, former Arkansas native or Arkansas native and former UNC quarterback, Jacoby Criswell. Now, this is a guy that a lot of Arkansas fans think ultimately got away from Arkansas during the Chad Morris era just because he wasn't really recruited due to Chad Morris's son already being committed to Arkansas and him not really looking at any other quarterbacks and not pursuing him, whereas Mac Brown at North Carolina constantly pursued him, and he just felt like at North Carolina he was made a priority where he wasn't at Arkansas. But he said Arkansas is definitely number one on his list of places he would like to come if we fit all the things he's looking for in his next school. So hopefully he can come in and give some. And then we've got to talk about our new strength and conditioning coach. And a formal announcement should come out either later this week or possibly next week. But sources have confirmed that Arkansas will be hiring Ben Souders from Louisville. He is the current director and strength and conditioning coach there. And he, he does have ties with Sam Pittman as he was previously at Georgia from 2018 2000 to 2021 as the assistant director of strength and conditioning. So again, a, a guy that Sam Pittman knows um, that he's having come in to take over the strength and conditioning role that was open after the letting go of Jim Walker. And then we'll have to talk about now Arkansas is going bowling officially. Arkansas found out where they're going to be going to which bowl and to what team they will face. So Arkansas will be going to the Liberty Bowl in Memphis where they'll match up against Kansas. This bowl game is going to be taking place on December 28th where the Liberty Bowl is a game or a bowl game that Arkansas is very familiar with. Arkansas has been in the Liberty Bowl five previous times where they have a record of two and three. The last time Arkansas was in the Liberty Bowl, it was when they played Kansas State in 2016 where they won that game 45-23. to 23. So this will be an interesting game to see, especially with all of the players that have opted out or entered the portal and will not be playing. So it will give us a good idea of what our team's going to look like next year because you're going to look at a team that's going to be without Jaden Hazelwood, a team that's without a lot of defensive pieces that have entered the portal, without, you know, Keytron Jackson, without, you know, Slusher and several guys in the secondary that have left that maybe helped pick up some minutes in a depleted secondary. Um, it's also going to be a game, speaking of without players, where today, December 6th, Tuesday, where we found out that Drew Sanders, linebacker for Arkansas, will be declaring for the draft and unfortunately will be opting out of the ballgame. I'm glad he's taken this opportunity to you know, pursue his goal of being in the NFL, and I don't blame him with him being projected a top two round pick and essentially being the second best linebacker off the board. So we'll be without him, who was a big piece of our defense, so we're going to have a lot of fresh faces on defense that will be 
new and maybe not have had a lot of playing time. So it'll be interesting to see us getting an early look at what our defense could look like next season, minus whatever transfers we have come in. But we'll talk a little bit more about that later as we have a ball game preview in a future episode the week of the ball game. So some other unfortunate news coming out of Arkansas today is that defensive coordinator Barry Odom is leaving Arkansas to become the new head coach at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Uh, that was leaked out today and officially announced. Um, I saw earlier on Twitter where he is already at the new location, I believe, for his entry press conference. So our new search for our new defensive coordinator will begin. There's several names that have been thrown out there, and right now it's very in the early, just beginning stages of the search. I know, I think this comes to a, as a surprise to some people, as Barry Odom was rumored that he was the top candidate for the Tulsa job, but then it came out that they could never agree to terms on what he was wanting in contract details. So that never came to fruition. So a lot of people thought Barry Young will be back for next season. I think the UNLV job came out of nowhere um, as there wasn't much talk about it. All the talk was focused on Tulsa. So to see this happen is a little bit surprising. I know our defense struggled at times this year, but I don't think that was – you can't blame that solely 100% on Coach Odom, as in, you know, he was playing with a depleted defense that had several injuries and several guys that he was missing throughout the season. Um, I know a few names that I've briefly seen thrown out there was potentially Gary Patterson, former TCU coach who is currently on staff in a, in a limited role at Texas under Coach Sarkeesian. Um Names like Charlie Strong has been thrown out there. So we'll just have to see what happens as we get more info info on this coaching search. I will be sure to let everybody know as soon as I find out. Um, It'll also be interesting to see if Coach Odom tries to take any of the position coaches or other coordinators from Arkansas to come join his staff at UNLV, hopefully. That's not the case, but it is what it is, and we'll see what happens. Um, hate to see him leave, but wish him the most success. You know, I thank him for what he's done to Arkansas, being able to come help Coach Pittman get this program trending in the right direction. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we continue the upward trend with whoever we come into take over a defensive coordinator. So now we'll talk about, you know, just a quick note of this past weekend was championship weekend. So in the SEC championship game, Georgia played LSU where Georgia controlled that game from the start, ended up winning that game 50 to 30 in the, and are the SEC championships or SEC champions. Once again, uh, LSU just looked nowhere close to being able to compete with them. Even though they did put up 30 points, it was a late 30 points. Um, Georgia is just above and beyond the best team in the nation, and it's been proved all year long. Um, even though they had some struggling 
games, they still managed to fight for the win. So we'll see what happens in the college football playoffs, but I don't think, I think honestly Georgia's probably going to repeat. But that's enough about Georgia. We'll get back to Arkansas sports as this is an Arkansas sports podcast. So we'll go into some recaps for Arkansas sports since the last episode. So you had Arkansas women's basketball play Troy, where they got the win 87-70. to Samara Spencer led all scorers with 19 points, followed by Aaron Barnum with 18 points, and Chrissy Carr with 14 points. Aaron Barnum led the team in rebounds with 8, followed by Miriam Dowda with 7, and Riley Langerman with 5, followed by Samara Spencer, Sailor Poffenbarger, Michaela Daniels, Chrissy Carr, and Jersey Wolfenbarger, all with three. In this game, our team shot 44.3% from the field, going 31 of 70. They shot 29.7% from the three-point line, going 11 of 37, and 66.7% from the free throw line, going 14 of 21. I tell you, this this women's team is a very talented team and continue weekend and week out doing the things that they need to do to win the games. This could be one of the most talented teams that Coach Neighbors has had since he's been at Arkansas. So we'll see if they keep rolling and what happens when we get to uh, conference play. Then we'll move on and talk about some Arkansas women's volleyball, where in the first round of the NCAA tournament, they got the win versus Utah State, where they took the win three matches to zero and made it on to the second round where we'll dive into that where they took on Oregon in the second round of the tournament where unfortunately they fell three matches to one in a five set match where Oregon just was a lot for this team um, this was a, a big accomplish, accomplishment for this team making the NCAA tournament for the first time in several years. So let's give them a big congratulations on what they were able to do this season and just build from it on net for next year. And then we'll talk about some Arkansas men's basketball where they played San Jose State this past Saturday. And, man, what a game to be at. You know, Arkansas won this game 99-58 to where – they scored 59 points in the second half alone. They outscored the opponent by 59 in the second half where the opponent had 58 points for the total game. So this just shows you what kind of offense and how dangerous this team can be. Trevor Brazil led all scorers with 23 points, followed by Ricky Council with 17 points, and Nick Smith Jr. with 16 points. Nick Smith Jr. did get the start in this game, so it'll be interesting to see his minutes as the the season progresses and he progresses from getting back from his knee injury. Jalen Graham led all rebounders with six, followed by Brazil with five, and Anthony Black and Makai Mitchell tied with four. This was definitely a good shooting day for the team as they shot 62.7% from the field, going 37 of 59, shooting 61.5% from the three-point range, going 8 of 13, and 81% from the free-throw line, shooting 17 of 21. 
And when you talk about this game, you definitely have to talk about Nick Smith Jr. You know, we saw him in the previous game versus Troy where he only got five minutes of game time and didn't score, missed his only two shot attempts, and just looked a little rusty like, you know, a, a lot of people thought he might with this being his first game since uh, exhibition play. So during this game, Nick Smith Jr., he did get the start, and he played a total of 24 minutes. And in those 24 minutes, he scored 16 points, where he went 6 of 14 from the field, from the field 3 of 5 from three-point range, 1 of 2 from the free-throw line, had one rebound and five assists. So when you start looking at this, as a team, we're just scratching the surface of how good this team can be. This team is going to be able to just out-athleticize a lot of other teams and just wear them down with as deep of a bench and as talented of a bench as we've had in a long time. And I say that because in this game alone, 15 players got playing time. That means the 13 players on scholarship and our two walk-on players as well. So everybody got to play. You know, when you win by 41 points, of course, you're going to expect everybody to play. But that kind of just gives you an idea of how deep our bench is that even though everybody played, we were still able to win by, you know, 40 points. So this team has a lot of potential. And I think as they keep growing throughout the season, you know, they're just going to continue to get better and better and will hopefully by midseason be in form and be able to make a run to hopefully potentially contend for the SEC championship and then make a tournament run to hopefully make it back to the Elite Eight and even further to potentially the Final Four or even the championship game. We'll just have to wait and see as – the season progresses. And then we'll jump back over to some Arkansas women's basketball where they took on Oral Roberts. Arkansas won this game pretty handedly as they won 92-58, to where Samara Spencer led all scorers with 32 points, followed by Chrissy Carr with 15 points, Sailor Poffenbarger with 14 points. And then in rebounding, Sailor Poffenbarger led all rebounders with 13, so she had the double-double for the game followed by Jersey Wolfenbarger with 12 rebounds and Miriam Dowda with 8. In this game, the team shot 44.6% from the field, going 33 of 74, shooting 33.3% from the three-point range, going 10 of 30, and 64 point, or just 64% from the free-throw line, going 16 of 25. When you talk about player of the game, You've got to give this to Samara Spencer. What a game she had. She continues game in and game out to be a really solid, great player for Arkansas this season. She scored a season high of 32 points today in 30 minutes of action. She went 10 of 17 from the field, 6 of 8 from the three-point line, and 6 of 12 from the free-throw line, where she also added in two rebounds and three assists. Again, this is just an amazing Arkansas team, women's team, that could make some surprising runs throughout the season, you know, as they weren't projected to be 
a preseason top 25 team wasn't projected to do well in the SEC. And I think, you know, they're starting to show that they might prove some people wrong, you know, that they're more talented than they're getting credit for. So it'll be interesting to see as the season goes, can they keep up this level of play? And I think they will. So Arkansas basketball in a whole as men's and women's, you know, are in a great spot right now. You know, they both teams playing well, the men having one loss, the women being still undefeated. So as the season continues, we'll get to see some great basketball. So if you get a chance to go check out these teams, you need to. It's some fun games, high-scoring games with some exciting players. So we'll take we'll talk about our Arkansas men's basketball matchup that we had tonight, as again I'm recording on Tuesday, December 6th, where Arkansas took on UNC Greensboro, where this was a tough grinded out win for Arkansas as they won 65 to 58. I think this game took everybody by surprise as they were expecting another repeat game from how we played against San Jose State. And, you know, that was not the case. We were in a fight for this game the entire night. Nick Smith Jr. led the team in scoring with 22 points. Makai Mitchell had 13 points. And Anthony Black had 11 points. Makai Mitchell also led the team in rebounding with 14 points. So he got his first double-double of the season going 13 points with 14 rebounds. And then Devo Davis had 10 rebounds and Anthony Black with five. Again, like I said, this was a tough game for Arkansas tonight, and it took every minute and every point that we had to be able to win this game. And just to give you an idea of how tough a game it was for Arkansas, Arkansas shot 33.3% from the field, where they made 18 of 54 baskets. They shot 16.7% from the three-point range, going three of 18. So... You know it's a tough night when you only hit three out of 18 threes. Um, and that, that that's going to be a thing I think we're going to have to look at throughout the season that could hurt us a little bit is that we are not the greatest three-point shooting team, but I think that's something as Nick Smith Jr. gets more into a flow, as he gets used to getting back and getting more minutes, he's going to really attribute to improving our three-point game. And then we shot 78.8% from the free throw line, going 26 of 33. I will note about this game, Trevor and Brazil did leave the game early due to an injury. So again, the men got this tough win where they end up winning by seven um, over a UNC Greensboro team that came ready to play and was looking for the upset. Um I attended the Eric Musselman live show yesterday held at Sassy's, and he talked about this team being a high steal team where they capitalize over over the steals they get from the opposing team. And, you know, sure enough, we saw where they got a lot of takeaways tonight. It was something that I think Arkansas is going to have to clean up and continuously try to improve this season. As That's been a weak point is – I think this team has turned over the ball more than any Eric Musselman team has in the past. So that's something that hopefully we can get cleaned up and a a handle on before we get to SEC play and can get things taken care of where we have a chance to keep succeeding and keep riding 
the potential of this team as, again, you know, this is a really exciting team to watch. Night in and out, there's almost a highlight play every game, whether that be Ricky, Anthony Black. Now you got Nick Smith that you can start watching out for. So we'll just keep watching this Arkansas men's basketball team as, man, like I said, they're fun to watch. And I think they'll go far this year and could have a chance to do something great. Now we'll move on to some upcoming events. We have Arkansas women's basketball taking on Lamar on December the 8th. Lamar is 3-3 three and three on the season. And then I will mention after this previous weekend, rankings came out yesterday, I believe, and our women's team is finally ranked in the top 25 where they came in at number 21 this week. So finally getting some respect and um, recognition for what they've done this season as they are undefeated on the season and look to continue that in a matchup versus Lamar. And then we look at this game coming this Saturday where our men's basketball team is taking on Oklahoma in the BOK Center in Tulsa. Oklahoma's 6-2 and two on the season where their guard Grant Sherfield is the player to watch. He averages 16.3 points per game, averaging 2.9 rebounds per game and 4.9 assists per game, Where he, and he is also shooting 42.3% from the field right now. This is going to be a game where I think Arkansas is going to want to get redemption from last year, where Arkansas took the loss in this game last year, and it was a tough game for Arkansas. You know, with questionable officiating, and it was the only game that Coach Musk got ejected out of last year due to that, let's just say, ridiculous officiating that, you know, he was trying to stand up for his players and get the calls for them that clearly weren't being made, and then we end up falling to Oklahoma. So even though there's only two returners on this team this year, I think They'll remember that loss, and I know Coach Musk is probably going to be remembering that as well and want to come back and get the win this year and show what his team can do. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, go listen to the Hoop Southbound podcast as I break down this game a little bit more with hosts David Harris and Maddie Timmerman. Um, whereas they have a great show, go give, go give them a listen. Um, and then we have Arkansas men's basketball coming up. Um, Coming up on December 11th versus Arkansas State. So an interstate matchup where, you know, Arkansas is going to be playing a team from Northeast Arkansas and Arkansas State. So Arkansas State comes in with a 4-3 and three record. So we'll just have to see what happens there. Um, as I said, you know, a lot of upcoming events. So we'll be excited to watch those. And, you know, all right, we'll now move on to another segment where we talk about some player awards. So this week it came out that we had uh, some Arkansas football players voted to the All-SEC Coaches Team. You had linebacker Drew Sanders, offensive lineman Ricky Stromberg, kickoff specialist Jake Bates, defensive back Dwight McLaughlin, linebacker Bumper Poole, and running back Raheem Rocket Sanders all getting that vote for the All-SEC Coaches team. We also have Ricky Council, who was named SEC Player of the Week. And Sailor Poffenbarger was named SEC Freshman of the Week. So it's a 
great thing to see Arkansas players being recognized and getting awards for their performances uh, on the on the field and on the court. It's it, it's great to see. So now coming up here in this next segment, we're going to have a former Razorback as a guest this week. This player played for Arkansas from 2005 to 2008, threw for nearly 6,000 yards and 47 touchdowns while at Arkansas, and his sophomore season took Arkansas to the SEC Championship game and the Capital One Bowl. In his junior season, he took Arkansas to the Cotton Bowl. He is currently the head coach at Fayetteville High School. Everyone, please welcome in former Arkansas Razorback quarterback, Casey Dick. All right, now we are going to welcome to the show former Arkansas quarterback, Casey Dick. How are you going? How are you doing, Casey? I'm doing good. I appreciate you guys for having me on the show tonight. No problem. So let's start off with you. You know, how are things are going for you and how's life? You know, it's going really well. Uh, you know, now uh, currently the head football coach at Fayetteville High School here in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Um, you know, after after going back to Texas for five years after I graduated, came back um, and have been back for almost 10 years now. Um, so I really have loved and enjoyed the transition of coming back um, kind of while getting back to Fayetteville, uh, kind of my my second home, kind of consider myself in Arkansas now for me from Texas. Uh, but, you know, just just a, a really happy, good place to be, uh, you know, and raise a family here in Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, glad to hear. You know, I'm sure a lot of people are glad to have you back in the area too for and are, you know, glad and thankful for what you did for the program. Um, so we'll get it kicked off, you know. So let's start off talking about – let's go through what your recruiting process was like in high school. How How is that? You know, I think mine, um, you know, there's number one, there wasn't as much as social media um, involved in recruiting when I was in high school. So a lot of that stuff took place through the mail um, and via going to some camps. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of big like there was, you know, rivals camps or, or you know, Elite 11. I, you know, that Elite 11 deal was out there, but um, like a, getting invited to a Nike camp was big. But a lot of it was just going from school to school. Um, you know, and, and trying to promote yourself. So, you know, my summers were pretty much filled with, you know, going to summer workouts like any other high school kid um, at Allen High School in Texas. And then, you know, on the weekends when we weren't having a seven on seven or, you know, some more, some other um, activity that we were doing, it was pretty much probably driving all over the state of Texas, going to different camps, just trying to get me in front of, you know, as, as many coaches as you could to kind of, you know, promote yourself at those camps and give you the best opportunity to succeed. So, you know, like I said, it was, it's a little bit different now, um, just involving social media and the many different things that, um, you know, take place with that and, and the access to it and kind of the, I would say the easiness that is being done with social media um, and camps and all those things. But um, that's kind of what my, my process as far as getting recruited looked like. Right. So, you know, what, what all schools ended up recruiting you before you ultimately decided to come to Arkansas? You know, it was pretty much a lot of the schools in Texas um, besides Texas. And then, um, you know, Colt McCoy, because Colt McCoy was committed. So Colt McCoy and Chase Daniel, um, you know, were kind of the two big names in Texas. And then, then there were, you know, myself. Um, so, you know, those guys, you know, pretty much took a lot of the light off of everything just because of where they were going and what they were doing. Obviously Chase ended up going to Missouri, Cole ended up going to Texas. Um, you know, so those, those were two big things. So, you know, there were a lot of camps and things that we um, obviously did together just because that was in Texas, you were pretty much driving all over the same place to do this, to do the same camps. Um, 
so we were we were at those a lot and um you know so you know a lot at baylor a lot at texas tech a lot um you know at houston a&m you know all you know pretty much the schools to where you could get to and just kind of get in front of and, and make sure that you had a good day there yeah so we'll jump right in with a fun question so what was it like playing for coach houston nunn Oh, man, he's awesome. Um, just a, just a great motivator, great, um, coach, you know, great mentor of life. Um, you know, if you will. So, you know, you always just felt like you could go talk to him about anything. It didn't have to be strictly about football, um, whether you're having a problem of when it was a day-to-day, you know, situation or task, whatever it was, but, um, I could pick up the phone right now and call him and he, and nine times out of 10, he's going to answer unless he's on CBS doing some basketball work. Um, so just a great guy, someone I still talk to probably, you know, once every other week, twice, you know, sometimes more than that, kind of just depending on the situation, but just a great coach, great motivator, um, and just kind of, you know, just a great, that great father figure for sure. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. You know, you love to see coaches like that and that you still have connections with, you know, that's awesome. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, the LSU game when you and the team went down and knocked off number one LSU in that three overtime game in Baton Rouge. You know, that, that that game there, you know, that was the that was back when um, you know, that game always took place for, for us and for for me, for those people that remember, it was always the day after Thanksgiving, um, you know, at night, whether it was in LSU or Little Rock, that was when it was normally played. You know, we, we never got really had the opportunity to play in, in Northwest Arkansas just because of the contract and the agreement that things were already put, put into place. But uh, man, just going down to, to Baton Rouge at night, the day after Thanksgiving, is, is just a unique opportunity. Um, you know, I can't really put into words, you know, what it's like because it's it's so, uh, you know, the crowd's really enthusiastic. It's a it's a hostile place to play, um, but obviously they were a really good football team with that year and the things that they did. Um, if I remember correctly, I think that year two is the year like one through five got beat that same weekend or night or something like that um as well but just you know just an overall great experience um good team win you know you look at the things that Darren and Peyton um and Felix did and then you know our defense playing lights out I know we we you go to three overtimes you're going to give up you know obviously some points but just uh, against an electric offense and the things that they were able to put together just defensively played really really well we're we're able to make a very unique um you know two-point play interception there uh in the end to win it for sure but I remember that, that 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 was a crazy game. Um, so kind of bouncing off that, you know, you get that big win against number one LSU. And so what was the team's response or what was the team like, you know, after that game when Houston ended up resigning from the coaching job? You know, I think anytime you have a coach resign, um, you know, it's tough. But especially um, when you have somebody as invested as Coach Nutt was in his team, it's even – more difficult to deal with just because, you know, he was from Arkansas. He's from Little Rock. He's an Arkansas guy. It's where he wanted to be, you know, where his roots are. Um, but, you know, I had to have been through some scrutiny there um, that he didn't deserve, that he didn't um, he didn't need to have happen from him, from his family, you know, or anybody else like that. And there were things that, you know, not you look back on it, it wasn't true, but, you know, he ended up getting another opportunity, but we just wanted to go out, you know, number one, we wanted to go out and play really, really well for coach um, just because of everything um, that he was going through. We felt like kind of our backs were pinned against the wall. Obviously when you're trying to, you know, when you, you know, come after your coach like that, you want to go out there and try to do everything that you can do for him. Um, you know, and we had a great, 
leaders on offense with, with Darren and Peyton and Felix and, you know, a bunch of guys up front that really wanted to do a great job. So those guys, you know, prepared really hard that week and obviously all throughout the season to go out and have a successful year. And then, you know, ended up going to Ole Miss and, and having successful seasons at Ole Miss. So, um, you know, it was just a, it was just a time where you, you know, you look back on it, you face adversity, you want to do what you're supposed to do um, in order to help somebody through. And we felt like we did that. Yeah. You know, it is, like you said, one of the situations you hate to see, um, things like that happen, especially when some of the things that are said end up not being true when you find that out later on down the road. Um, but then, you know, going off of that for your senior season, you had Coach Bobby Petrino come in. So what was that like? And, you know, what was his coaching style like compared to Coach Houston Nuts? You know, it's a lot different. You know, you look back on it and, you know, the coaching style or philosophy of Coach Petrino is a, is a lot more business-like. Um, you know, he's – really, really structured in what he wants to do every day. Um, you know, the amount of pressure that he puts on the quarterback, you know, at the line of scrimmage is a lot. Just knowing how many backs from, you know, how many backs you have in the backfield, how many tight ends, how many receivers you have, you know, what the defense is doing structurally as far as rotating, what front they're in, um, you know, and all those things play into what check you have or what check you can get to at the line of scrimmage. So you have a lot of freedom at the line of scrimmage to check in and out of things based on the personnel that's currently in the game. So there's a lot of obviously extra studying, examining film and, you know, doing different things that go into a game plan uh, to make everybody just feel comfortable. But he was, you know, he's very demanding and you look back on it. And sometimes at that time, you don't really understand why, you know, he is a certain way, but he always wanted to put a lot of pressure on you while you were at practice, because once you got in the game, his philosophy was if, if the, particular practice that you had or that week that you had or you know just his overall philosophy um then the game would be a lot easier so I think there's some people that don't really understand that when you're kind of going through it and then once you step back and remove yourself you know a year or whatever down the road you kind of understand you know you can see both sides and, and perspectives of why he was the way that he is yeah you know that's what I've heard from several of the players that he was a very demanding high intensity coach um and, you know, I think a lot of people think, like you said, you look back on it and see that you're you're better off from that. And, you know, that's good to see that coaches, you know, get out of guys. Mm-hmm. And I know you mentioned them a while ago, but tell us a little bit like what it was like to play with guys like Darren, Peyton, and Felix. You know, those, those guys are just – I think the thing that gets, you know, overlooked nowadays kind of some things are what you hear, you know, in the media and what people say – um, you know, on social media, those, those guys were unbelievable practice players. Uh, I, I, I still remember sitting in a room and throwing on video and watching Darren and Felix and, and, and Peyton just practice with unbelievable pace and unbelievable tempo, bursting through a line of scrimmage, um, you know, just doing all the little things right that everybody always talks about. And those guys, you never had to tell those guys to do anything. You didn't have to tell them to go to class. They were always there. You didn't have to tell them they need to show up or, or, or run a certain way or lift a certain amount of weight. They were always doing that. So they, you know, obviously when you had that type of notoriety um, that those three got, that type of publicity that those three got, you know, they, they're naturally going to set the tempo, set the, you know, the pace of how we want to go. So we obviously oftentimes look to them and just kind of, they let, they set the pace of practice, which never changed every, any day to, whatever occasion it was, um, you know, it was going to be a lot, it was going to be full speed and everything that they did for sure. 
Yeah. I'm sure you and along with probably everybody else in the country at that time would have been glad to have players like that in the backfield behind you got having your back. You know, certainly I mean, it makes your job easier as a quarterback. Um, you know, you can turn around and, and hand the ball to them. And, you know, there's numerous times where you just turn around and watch the ball go after you hand it off. And there's some amazing things that take place and happen. Um, but obviously those three guys were really, really special to watch and practice every day. And then obviously go, um, you know, battle on Saturdays for as well. Yeah. And so on the flip side of that, what was it like getting the opportunity to, you know, play with your, your little brother at Arkansas? Oh, man. Um, just a great, a great opportunity again, you know, something – you look back on now and you realize how rare it is in college football, even for, you know, one kid in a particular family to go play, you know, division one college football, you know, it's, I think it's like 96% of them aren't going to go 97%. So when you do do that and then you have both of them go, you realize how, how rare it is um, for those, for, you know, you to go number one, you, and then secondly, to go to the same school, same institution. And then thirdly, you play the same position, you know, you sit in the same room at the same time, um, so I think it's been done less than 15 times as far as a quarterback or, or um, you know, as that position, as far as I can remember. But it's just a unique situation. Obviously, we learned, competed, um, you know, grew a lot from, you know, just going against each other every day and was really good to just have him, obviously, at the campus. Made it really easy on our parents, really easy on family members um, and other people when they wanted to come to a game instead of driving from, you know, one institution to the other across the country, they were able to come to one spot and watch us both. Yeah. Yeah. That, that does make it easier, especially with, like you said, both, both, both kids playing at the same place and not having to try to decide, Oh, do we go to this game or that game? Um, it definitely helps, you know, like you said, with the parent situations. So, you know, looking at it with your time after Arkansas, what was it like going through some camps with teams in the NFL and stuff? Just an experience that you won't ever, you know, forget. Um, you know, obviously going through first with New York, um, you know, when Rex Ryan was the head coach, Mark Sanchez in the quarterback room, you know, Coach Schottenheimer was the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, and those just those days that you got to be in there is when Brett Favre just, you know, had, had gotten finished up playing um, the, the season before that. So the stories and things that they were able to tell you about, um, Brett and, and everybody else in the room, Santonio Holmes and those guys were just things that you, uh, you know, you obviously you'll remember for a lifetime. You know, the relationships that you built um, through those camps, even even in Miami um, with Coach Verano and, and David Lee when he was there, um, was just those, you know, those things are just things that you, you don't take for granted, the relationships you're able to build and all those things and just make a really big impact on your life later on down the road, just looking back and being able to say, man, that was something pretty cool that we were able to accomplish as well. Yeah. So, you know, going from that, you know, what made you want to get into coaching or is it something that you always wanted to do after you finished school? Yeah, I had a position coach when I was in high school, um, I believe in ninth grade. And then when I was, when I was in ninth grade, you know, transitioning up through high school, we had developed, a really good relationship. He was a really, he was a young guy that was just out of college. Um, so I had a bit, really big impact on me, my career. And then obviously what I wanted to do once I graduated from the time I was pretty much 15 years old till I was, you know, all the way through college, I got done with college. I actually went back when I went back to Texas, I went back and worked for him um, for five years before I came back to Arkansas. So it was just something as I was growing up, I knew I wanted to do. Um, and once I figured out what I wanted to do, I've never kind of looked back from anything and just kind of taken it full, you know, full head on and continue to do it uh, to this day, obviously. Yeah. 
So following up on that, you know, you said you went back to Texas for, for five years. So what specifically brought you back to be the coach at Fayetteville High School? Man, that's a great question. I honestly, when I got back to Texas, there was my wife is from Arkansas. She was from a small town just south of Arkansas called West Fork. Um, and once we had our daughter, we kind of I kind of just walked in one day and I was like, hey, think you want to move back to Arkansas and she was like I don't really know so you know we kind of kicked it around for a little bit ended up making the transition back um you know just because you know I thought it was be would be a better place for us our family um and just the relationships and everything that we had established up here um you know it's a little more it's it's a it's like Dallas just has at a smaller pace not obviously not the amount of people that has a lot of the same amenities, uh, but also, you know, you, there's things you can activities and outdoor activities and things that you can do outside that you don't really get the chance to do while you're in Dallas or DFW, which is where we were from and or where we were at also. So it was just a, an opportunity we took, you know, obviously we're young, ended up making a decision and, and luckily for us, it ended up working out um, and have, have a great, you know, obviously establishment here in, in Northwest Arkansas and being able to help kids and family members and everybody else. Um, here in Fayetteville. Yeah. So, you know, I know you mentioned earlier, you know, recruiting to nowadays are, is a to totally different thing from when you were in high school and was going through that. So what are some things that you maybe kind of tell your players that play for you now at Fayetteville High as they go into the recruiting? I know especially guys that, you know, are on the team now for Arkansas, such as Isaiah and Manny, you know, guys like that. What do you tell those guys? You know, number one, they start going through the process. Number one, they have to have social media. You know, um, it's kind of it's a that's kind of just the nature of the beast of, of where it is now. It's kind of a self promotional tool. We kind of there's kind of obviously it's a double edged sword based off what you put out there and you know the, the effect that it can have on you. You know, obviously throughout the recruiting process also. So, Juzik's kind of like a, a as a tool, but also you know there's there's things that can happen if you take advantage of it. You know, the scholarships can be revoked removed um but it's the way that all that stuff takes place now from nil deals to those guys that are in college that's how they find the kids how they contact them that's how those promotional things are done um but it's also a self-promotional tool so i think that's the biggest way that it's changed um it's also made contacts for recruiting coaches at, at colleges and universities a lot easier um for those guys to establish and build those relationships because it's literally at their fingertips and they can sit down at a desk and do it and watch video and, and, you know, evaluate kids. So I think it's made the recruiting process more, more efficient uh, for those guys as well. So, and it'll continue to change. There's no telling what it'll look like in five years, you know, they're, it's, it's crazy. I mean, they, they may be able to sit here and do this on a zoom to, to decide whether they're going to take a kid based off what he can draw on a board and what he, you know, what he knows about the game and what he doesn't know instead of, you know, wasting time or, or gas or whatever it is to travel back and forth from here to Dallas or here to wherever the kid's located in order to evaluate him. Yeah. So, you know, going off that, you know, you being a coach, you know, kind of give us your take on the hog season this year and what things you think might need to happen to improve for next season. I, I think it was a difficult season um, when you look at it just – and from you know an overall standpoint you know there's a lot of things that they couldn't control that went their way um as far as injuries on both sides of the ball um you know so i think when you you know i think the narrow-minded view um when you hover right over the top is man everybody wishes that obviously the hog should have won eight or nine games or ten games or whatever it was but i think once you kind of 
back up a little bit and look at the situation from a thousand to twelve hundred foot view. Yeah, they should have won, you know, a couple more games. You play in the SEC, you play, you know, not only you play in the SEC, you play in the SEC West. You got the toughest schedule in college football. Um, you know, and you had some things that you had to overcome and the ball's not always going to bounce your way. So I think everybody sits here and knows that they sh everybody wants them to win more games. Um, but I think that they did they did good. They'll have to continue to build. They'll have to continue to, you know, reevaluate their needs moving forward, um, just like any football or any organization moving forward based off, you know, what the team's going to look like, the transfer portal, you know, all those things that go into college football nowadays that didn't exist four or five years ago um, in order to make the team. So, you know, it was a it was a year they'll look back on and wish they could have done more, obviously. But, you know, I think that goes with any sport, any organization, um, anything that you do in life, for sure. Yeah. So um, since he's been here, have you had much interaction with Coach Pittman? I have just because of obviously the people that have gone to Arkansas from obviously Fayetteville and then my, you know, relationship just with the program and having playing there, being an alumni in there. Um, you know, he's been very open to letting guys come to practice, um, you know, get in the program and still obviously feel like you're, you're, you're a part of the situation with, you know, with the alumni section and those things. So it's just been an awesome privilege for, for coach Pittman. And obviously from him being, you know, from a small town, a couple of miles, you know, about 60 miles west of here in, in Oklahoma, he understands, you know, the value of having these guys come back um, from an alumni perception, you know, those guys having their, their values and all those things, you know, in the program. So he, he has done a really good job of connecting with us and maintaining those things and making us feel welcome as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, looking at now, you know, it just, you got, it, it's that time of the season, you know, what, what is your view, I guess, of, you know, guys that decide to maybe enter the transfer portal and move on from a school that they originally committed to? Well, I think, you know, everybody, again, seven, six, five years ago, college football's changed. Um, when you start talking about any time you start involving money and transfer portal and allowing kids to do that and, um, you know, coaches changing jobs, coaches changing professions, all those things affect, you know, those decisions. And we live kind of in an instant gratification world nowadays with everyone. Um, and then when you throw money in on top of an instant gratification world and, you know, people being able to go do certain things, you kind of, you, you have to kind of look at it from their shoes and their situation as well. You know, people, young individuals, they want to play. Um, you know, young guys, as far as a team, they want to play. So they'll get to a situation and maybe not understand, okay, what do I need to do in order to help, you know, get through this situation? Some of the best things that ever happened to me, um, you know, when we had the transfer portal there when I was at Arkansas, but you had to sit out a year, you know, so that was a deal to where, you know, you figure out life, you know, you're, you got to buckle down and do what you need to do in order to either get better, you know, at the situation, fix it and do what you need to do to get playing time. So those are just some of the valuable lessons I learned, you know, but, but college football is, is just so different. Um, you know, I don't even know all the ins and outs um, of all those things and what it looks like and how it, how it really goes down. But those, you know, it's just, it's so different. So I hate speaking for, for those, those guys, as far as what that looks like, how it's going to be, you know, proceeded when they move forward, because it's, it's an ever changing world every single day for those guys. And, I'll be honest. If somebody's going to offer me two hundred fifty thousand or a hundred thousand dollars to come play college football somewhere else, like it, that's going to be pretty enticing. Um, 
and it's happening everywhere. So you can't sit here and say, hey, somebody's going to pay you $100,000 to go play college football. You would say no, because if I'm 19 years old, there's no way I'm turning down $100,000 to go play college football somewhere. So right. you have to look at that as well. Yeah, that's fair. And so kind of starting to wrap up, you know, you know, you've been, you know, coaching high school football for a little bit. Do you ever see yourself maybe wanting to take that next step and coach at the college level? I think it's there. Um you know, it has to be the right time, right fit, I think, um, you know, because I do have young kids. I've got a family. I've got a daughter that's uh, nine, and I've got a son that's five. So, but it's there. Um, we, you know, obviously those thoughts kind of go through, through your head to see, you know, what it would be like. Obviously, you wonder what it would be like. You kind of get those things. Uh, I mean, you, you, people go into coaching because they're still competitive and they love the game. So, I mean, anytime you think you want to go run out in front of 100,000 fans or 80,000 fans, on a Saturday playing big time college football, it's, you know, it's, it's obviously a pretty fun thought to have. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, um, so kind of wrapping this up, you know, um, what would you say your biggest takeaways from, you know, just having the opportunity to play at Arkansas would be and a message maybe to other kids that are looking to play college ball or specifically at Arkansas? I would just say the relationships that I've built have lasted you know, such a long time, the people that I've been able to know, um, you know, that have been able to help me, that have been able to assist me. Um, you know, it's just those things in life that once you graduate, you know, I still talk to a lot of those guys on a daily basis. Um, and if I haven't talked to him when I see him, it's like we, you know, it's like we just, we instantly reconnect and we, we haven't missed a day. So it's just those, those unique experiences that you don't think of while you're in the midst of everything that once you realize you're about done your playing time's about over and when you leave and then see those guys you know 10 15 years down the road um you realize how much it meant to you outside of just football um so we're you know we're all old now and got kids and families of our own but when we get together it's like we're 19 20 21 years old again and just you know reliving all the moments yeah that, that, that's awesome to hear i think that's a big thing for a lot of people is that brotherhood connection that you make with guys um and that's awesome but I just want to thank you again for, you know, coming on and, you know, taking time out and joining the show. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show and, and obviously invite me in to do the interview. After finishing up this episode, please make sure to support the Southern Boy Sports Podcast Network. The network includes Southern Boy Sports itself at SO underscore boy underscore sports on Twitter. The second to none podcast at SECOND underscore 2NUN on Twitter, and the Mid-State Weekly Show at mid-state-show underscore on Twitter. All of these shows bring solid college and high school info from around the nation. Make sure to follow each show and give them all a five-star review. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Whoopig Weekly.